I've been accused myself of being close to the merchant ventures by virtue of the fact that Marty is on our board, which is another ludicrous accusation. No one's telling me or I'm not telling anyone what we can and can't write in Bristol 24-7. I'm Neil Maggs and this is Bristol Unpacked, speaking to fascinating Bristolians on topics where others may fear to tread. Brought to you by the city's community-owned media, the Bristol Cable. You're listening to footage recorded by today's guest as the derelict Grosvenor Hotel in Bristol burned down on October the 19th, 2022. In this week's episode of Bristol Unpacked, journalism and politics merge as we talk to the editor of Bristol 24-7 and the new independent council candidate for Hotwell's, Martin Booth. This seat has become available after the Liberal Democrat councillor Alex Hartley recently stood down and the election takes place on February the 2nd. So, is there a natural conflict of interest being a journalist, let alone an editor, and standing as a politician? If he wins, will he resign from his position at Bristol 24-7 or will he continue? What happens if a story pops on his desk or somebody whispers in his ear in the chamber? Will he now not report it or will he? Lots of questions about that, but also about Hotwells itself. The area has been an area of controversy with regards to Cumberland Basin, as we would know it, now termed Western Harbour, a potential £1 billion development, which has seen criticisms of the Bristol mayoral team's consultation across the city and um, arguments put forward that local people have not been given a say. This has partly propelled Martin to stand office in an area in which he's lived most of the time. He's been in Bristol over 20-odd years. So journalist interviewing a journalist this one's going to be interesting enjoy hello martin good to hear from you today's a date no martin is standing to be candidate as an independent uh, for councillor in hot wells as you say which is an area you've lived in some time um we need to sort of say why we're talking to you and not the other candidates for sort of reasons of what could be perceived as a journalistic loving or bias, really. So you have other candidates. You've got Patrick McAllister from the Green Party, Stephen Williams, Liberal Democrat, uh, Elenia Barbosa uh, from the Conservatives, uh, Beryl Means from Labour, and yourself as Independent. The Bristol Cable are going to interview those other people in a sort of article capacity. We did consider, Martin, having a sort of hustings-type thing on this show, but I just wasn't sure whether logistically we could kind of sort it out. So I, I just felt it's a little bit more interesting... A, me being a journalist, talking to you, but also the fact that there's another side to this, which is why you've put yourself forward and a journalist in the city, which is quite rare, putting themselves forward into politics. So that's why we're talking to you in case I get a message from from Stephen Williams uh, or Patrick or Beryl, which I possibly might, saying, uh, is the journalist favouring the journalist in this election? There's one thing that I think... You know, as journalists ourselves, we are interested in our trade, in our profession. I like to call it a trade. But yeah. whether whether other people are, are so interested in the ins and outs of the media, I'm not so sure. But hopefully by the end of this conversation, we might we might know. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, there is often a, a kind of sense of, of people. We, we all think it's more important than most people don't really care. Um but I think certainly there's questions and questions I have around why you want to put yourself forward to it and where there are potential conflicts of interest. And even wider than that, Martin, I think that being somebody that's used to asking people questions, being on the receiving end of it and how that feels, presumably you're going to do a little, you know, the media rounds as we build up to the, the actual election 
which is on February the 2nd, is that right? February the 2nd, yeah. And also there is a hustings happening at Hot Wells Primary School on Thursday the 17th at 7.30. So if people do want to go to a real life hustings and it will be recorded as well. So that's where all the candidates will be able to meet the electors in real life and have a have a little bit of a debate about the issues. And the reason why this has come up is because the, the Liberal Democrat councillor Alex Hartley, who won in May 2021, has stood down. And it was quite tight last time between the Green the Lib Dems. I think it was about 25, 26 votes between them. It is a seat that can go in various different directions. But for you then, Martin, why have you stood for this? Is this something you've been thinking about for a while? So then, there, so that's the big question. And, 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 and if I'm being completely honest, it's not something I've thought about for a while at all. When Alex Hartley, the Lib Dem councillor, sadly had to step down due to health reasons, and obviously I wish him all the very best in his recovery from that. But this is my ward. You know, Bristol's divided up into, what, several dozen different wards. And I would not be doing this if a councillor had stepped down in any other ward in the entire city other than my home ward. Mm-hmm. I've got, I, I, I've got no aspirations of, of, of climbing, the, climbing the greasy political pole at all. What I want to do is to give the best representation for the Hotwells and Harborside ward I've been, I've been, I can't even believe that I'm saying this out loud, but I've been knocking on doorsteps over the last, over the last few days, just talking to people on the doorstep, just to introduce myself. And, and, and I'm there on their doorsteps. And I say, look, I genuinely can't promise you a single thing. I can't promise to save Central Library. I can't promise to affect the plans for Western Harbour. I can't promise to open the chocolate path immediately. But what I can promise to do is to listen and represent the community that mm-hmm. I call home. And I do feel that the Hotwells and Harborside ward has not really been not really been listened to um, over recent years. And as a resident there, I I want that to change. Why, why is an independent though, Martin? Why, why have you not joined a political party, or have you not? Have you been a member of a political party before? I've never been a member of a political party. I never will be a member of a political party. I think the best way to represent my home is to be an independent because my the people that are asking me, telling me things to do are the residents. You know, I I'm not I'm not wearing a party rosette. I I'm a blank I'm a blank slate. You don't think you can do that as a party political representative? I would say that it's possible to do that as a party political representative. But the reason why I'm standing is to help my local neighbourhood. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not about getting back into politics. It's not about winning the most seats. This is a fascinating battle in Hot Wells and Harborside because right now in City Hall, the Greens are neck and neck with Labour. So yeah. if the Greens win this seat, they'll have the most... Uh, councillors. If Labour win this seat, they'll have the most councillors. If the Lib Dems lose this seat, they'll have even fewer councillors than they've got at the moment. And it's traditionally been a Lib Dem seat. So this is for the political anorak 
it's yeah. a it's a fascinating well, it's on a knife snapshot. edge, isn't it? Yeah, it is on a knife edge, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see where it plays. But also interesting because you know it was quite close between the as we said earlier the Greens twenty five or sorry twenty six votes behind the Lib Dems. Just specifically on that point about party versus independent, do you feel as an independent, it would be more of a conflict of interest as a journalist or as an editor? So on that point, it, by you being independent, not being a member of, of a party, does that sort of negate that argument a little bit for you? I hope it negates that argument. And I'm not going to be shying away from for many, for many arguments, for many debates that are going to be put out there. I think that if I was if I was on the doorsteps wearing a, a shiny, colourful rosette, then then clearly that's my impartiality out of the window. Um, I'm 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 proud that Bristol 24/7 is an independent publication like the Bristol Cable, and I'm proud to be standing as an independent councillor candidate. So the fact you publish that sort of indicates that you're kind of happy to have those sort of contrary arguments put forward. Uh, absolutely, hundred percent. In terms of politics, then you say you've never been a member of a political party. Who, who do you usually vote for? I have voted across the spectrum actually over over recent years i'm not i'm not partisan in the slightest um I, you know i voted independent in the past i think that my my allegiance goes to the person i feel most comfortable with and you know what that's really regardless of 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 what rosette they're actually they're actually wearing i prefer to to see them more on a personal level i think that hopefully councillors can actually be people that can be stopped in the street you know i'm mm. already being stopped in the street by people people know people know who i am um so you know, regardless who I voted for, voted for in the past, you know, it's unusual to be able to give a vote for an independent. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm telling people that I, 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 I'm I, not representing any particular viewpoint. I'm just hoping to represent my community, my neighbourhoods. We've obviously also had a, we've had a, well, we had an independent mayor, haven't we, Bristol Mayor, George Ferguson. And, and he kind of stood as an independent mayor, but also, you know, he'd obviously been a Lib Dem, Liberal Democrat councillor before. And sort of people felt that perhaps when he put forward the argument of impartiality in terms of party stuff, that actually there were still small p politics within that. And actually nobody ever really independent. Say you voted Liberal Democrat all your life or you voted the Greens all your life and you stood as an independent. That's going to formulate your politics, surely, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and we live in Bristol, which is a Labour city. We've got four Labour MPs. We might have a fifth Labour MP soon. We've got a Labour mayor. Yeah. We, we, live, we live in a fascinating city. Mayor as well. yeah. And a Labour Metro mayor as well. We live in a fascinating city. I, actually, it's a good point about the Metro mayor because, you know, these various layers of government are, are damn well confusing most of the time. Um, there's statistics about people... Lots of people don't know who Marvin Reese is, let alone their local councillor. So I've got my work cut out to actually let people know that there's a by-election thinking place in the first place. You have, but also you have an advantage, don't you? I think, and I think politics has been moving in this direction. You know, you are a name, you know, you have profile in the city. You've got a, a lot of followers on social media. People know Bristol 24-7, so you're kind of at a slight advantage than most independent candidates would have. Uh, you know, you have a platform and you have profile. And this is what's been happening in politics or globally a bit more, hasn't it, in the last, you know, five years or so. You know, I'm not comparing you to Donald Trump or Boris Johnson for one minute, but those are people that had name recognition, face recognition. That stuff is increasingly becoming important, I think. Are you hoping that's going to sort of give you the edge? I mean, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. The fact that 
if I didn't have any recognition at all, then I would have a very, very difficult task. Um, you know, certainly I want to put on record that I'm not going to be using the pages of Bristol 24 seven as a campaigning platform. Um, so, so, so Stephen Williams, the Lib Dem candidate, and Eileen Means, yeah. the Labour candidate, have already written opinion pieces in Bristol 24-7 about why they're the best candidate. And the, the Green candidate and the Tory candidate have both been invited to, to do that as well. So I'm certainly not going to use the pages of Bristol 24-7 to do that. But as you said, I've got, I, I've got quite, um, quite a, 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 a substantial you know, it's, it's kind of hashtag humble brag time, but I do undoubtedly have a number of followers on social media. So I do have that recognition. But what I don't have is the party machinery behind me. So I'm just a, I'm just a solitary independent. And, and presumably and, the funding where George didn't have that, but he obviously had quite a lot of, you know, business backing. And, you know, he's a man of wealth and means that he was able to get a successful campaign because he had financial backing. I mean, I know this is obviously a significantly smaller scale than that, but that kind of stuff does matter when it comes to campaigning. It does matter. You know, when I go to, when I'm on the doorstep, I can I can see on their kitchen table that they've got the leaflets already from the Labour Party, from the Lib Dem Party, from the Green Party. And I don't have any of that right right now so i'm at an enormous disadvantage because i'm 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 up against the weight of the party machines and like we were saying earlier this is a this is an election that they want to win desperately in a broader sense then what are your politics so people can just get a sense of what you're about I mean, I think some somebody probably jokingly mentioned Martin Bell. I should get in touch with Martin Bell, who's a who's a former BBC journalist who stood as an independent and won um, uh, a seat as an independent MP. Um, you know, I look at the I look at the success that George Ferguson had as an independent, winning winning citywide in order to see the success of independence within within the city. My politics is quite straightforward. Um, Really, like I said, I've never, I've never, um, I've never aligned myself with a political party. I'm kind of probably more to do with with issues. Um, so I've been banging on about the need for better segregated cycle lanes in Bristol for as yeah, long as I can remember. Big, cycling's a big thing for you, isn't it? I know. You know, would you accept the charge? That obviously, by living so centrally as you do, cycling is probably perhaps more important than if somebody was living in south of the city in Hartcliffe that would need a car with four kids to transport back and forth to school. That for some of those people on the other edges of the city, it's not so much of a prominent issue. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's absolutely nailed on the head. But the fact is that. I do live central. I live within the Hotwells and Harborside. And so this is an issue that's happening on a daily basis. You know, I've been knocking on doors in Rona Mead and Paul's Wharf Court off Hotwell Road. And, and it's actually surprised me how many people in those developments do actually own at least one car. So it's not as if no one around here does own a car. And the clean air zone has been a real bone of contention for, for lots of people that I've been speaking to in, in recent days. You've already explained that it's local issues that have inspired you to put yourself forward. But beyond that, I've seen a lot of people in politics have gone in with noble aims. And then before they know it, they quite like the taste of power and it becomes a bit of an aphrodisiac. And then sort of ambitions sort of follow that a little bit. Are you mindful of the possibility that that could happen to you if you do win? I think I've got to take it one step at a time. And right now I'm on the doorsteps of Hot Wells and Harborside, just trying to convince people that I'm the best possible candidate to become councillor for this wonderful area of ours. You know, I say that this is my home and I want to make it better. 
better. And, and it's as simple as it's as simple as that right now. Hot Wells and Harborside needs representation in City Hall. We haven't had that for a long time. Are you saying that the previous councillor, Alex Hartley, didn't do that? He was the person that brought through the um, vote for having the referendum to get rid of the mayoral system, which obviously Bristol public voted to do so. Arguably, Alex Hartley's councillors have more influence over Bristol than any other councillor in the last 10 years. No, that's a, that, that's an absolutely valid point, and 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 that campaign that Alex spearheaded got got results. You know, it was it was a success. It was a resounding success. Um, you know, unfortunately, due to his health issues, and like I said before, wish him all the very best in his recovery from those health issues. Hot Wells and Harborside hasn't ha- hasn't really had someone to to represent them in in about a year. Um, and so I think that I can well, be that person. He's, because he's not been well? Because he hasn't been well, no. And, and, and unfortunately, nobody was able to pick up the slack. Um, I was and would you to... be critical of previous councillors before Alex as well? In terms I, I, you of, know, I'm, yeah. I'm not critical. I'm not critical of Alex in the slightest because it's 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 a real it's a real shame that he's had to step down. And and, and I'm yeah. not going to be critical of of anybody um, of anybody who wants to stick their heads above the parapet. And but you don't and, think they've done a good enough job for 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 Hot Wheels. Right now, right now, Hot Wheels has been ridden roughshod over. Um, and, 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 and I'm here to, 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 to change that. Okay. We're going to get into somewhat of some of those key sort of local issues. There's been, you know, big contentious stuff that's gone sort of citywide, like Western Harbour. We'll part of that just for now. Um, just, just briefly on, in terms of your own, your own politics yourself, Martin, Alex, obviously, as I just said, was influential in getting the vote to get rid of the mayoral system. You were somebody that was quite prominently pro mayoral system that I saw anyway, across social media. Is that right? I I thought, and I still think, that Bristol needs a figurehead. I think that the mayor is someone who can represent Bristol the best. Um, I think I, what I was concerned about was that we would have these committees of councillors, and it's bitter irony that I'm that I'm saying this out loud after I wrote <laughs> wrote various things about anonymous councillors and faceless councillors and this and that. But yeah. my fe- my feeling at the time during the during the referendum debate was that was that Bristol Bristol needed a Bristol needed a figurehead. Bristol needed a strong a strong leader in which the mayor was and, and also. Uh, somebody who could somebody who could be um be held accountable for his actions for their actions um yeah. if you don't like what the mayor's doing well you can vote for a new one in four years time do you think that if you do win people will be a little bit more paranoid around you having a journalist amongst city hall because they are nervous you know and understandably so sometimes politicians around journalists i think one of the things that someone said is they were speculating whether journalists should even legally be allowed to become politicians and i was just thinking this is what an absolute load of codswallop because the the point of politics is that it's a representative sample of the of the population that's probably a little rose tinted um it's not as if it's like a jury and 
12 random people picked or anything like that. But Is it I different think- if it's a journalist or an editor, though? Because obviously as an editor, you're shaping an organisation, you're shaping its narrative more. Bristol 24-7 has got me as editor. We've got a very small team, but the, the small team that we do have has an awful lot of autonomy. Um, yep. Like I said, anyone out there wants an opinion piece published and, and, and will publish it. Um, I think it's as it's as simple as that. And I'm not I'm not telling our reporters to take a particular line on any story. We're not spiking any opinion pieces because I don't agree with them. Yeah. You know, ac- actually, um, it's, well, arguably it's, your training should make you as a journalist able to sit in the middle and be a bit more objective than what most people yeah, could or should I, be potentially. Yeah, I th- I hope so. And uh, and I'm sure that you've had it in the past when people when people realize that we're journalists they say things like well better be careful what i say here um and 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 it's and it's and it's not something i'm not i'm not on all the time i'm on quite a lot of the time but i'm not i'm not constantly got my dictaphone or writing my shorthand i'm not i wanted to ask you that are you not then because i do know some journalists that are like that i i can switch in and out but i can easily i can easily switch back on if I'm out and so you know the fact that I live in BS1 means that every time I step out of my front door um there's a potential story on my doorstep um li- literally on my doorstep so 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 that that is difficult because um I find it quite easy to switch off but but probably to answer your to answer your question I can flip it straight back on immediately so a couple yeah. of months ago there was a fire at the Grosvenor hotel so you know I was literally in my pajamas at home and we are called Bristol 24/7 so it does it does matter that we're able to jump out and there I was cycling straight to the scene of the fire um yeah, yeah. and and there's been other occasions when you know I'm with my I'm with my little girls at the weekend and something's happening maybe a protest and so I can just just get my get my camera phone out and do some video do some um photography um, but then snap straight back into being their daddy again. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So, yeah, journalists are human beings that play their various different roles in their lives. But I think what I find quite interesting, and I don't know whether you think journalism is a good grounding to be a politician or not, and I'm particularly thinking around that because lots of relationships in journalism are sort of transactional, and that's quite similar to politicians. And I wonder if that would stand you in good stead. What I've appreciated over time is that I'm quite good at building you need to build relationships with people fast as a journalist because you might only be talking to them for two three minutes you need to be able to swiftly put them um, at ease Um, and so I think that it's 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 been my job as a journalist for 20 years now to, to to basically talk to strangers on a daily basis which is clearly something that politicians also need need to do um so that's what i mean about the transactional thing that i think that a lot of journalists hang around with each other and i, I wonder if that's just because then it's not transactional that they know the person is not going to be the story um do you know what i mean yeah which is an interesting point because now i'm on the receiving end of a of a neil mags grilling so it is it it is it is you know professionally personally interesting for me to 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 be in this fight to be in this electoral battle but from the other side um and and so i'm finding that i'm i'm finding that fascinating 
This is the advert bit, so feel free to zip on if you like. But those who haven't heard and don't know anything about the cable, stop and just quickly listen to this. We are a cooperative, and uh, that means we're a membership organisation, and you can become a member. And that basically means you sign up from the website and you chuck some money in each month. It could be anything from a pound, five pound, ten pound, whatever you can afford. And you get a chance to have a say in meetings, AGMs, uh, put forward suggestions for articles we can write, guests for this show, anything really. The media needs a bit of a kick up the backside in this city and, uh, and wider. So this is a chance to actually get off the fence, get off the sofa and uh, have your say. Back to the chat. So would you consider yourself a Bristolian? When people say, oh, you're not a Bristolian, well, I'm like, look, I was actually born in Bristol Maternity Hospital. So in that respect, but no, Bristol's been my home for 20 years. My two children were born here. I got married here. So, uh, you know, people can call me a Bristolian if they want, and and I'd be proud. I mean, I think that, I I think immaterial of where you're born, where where you live, you need to, you need to feel proud of the city that we call, we call home and, 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 and and back to... Do you think it's important to have a lived experience of the area in which you represent oh 100 from 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 my perspective like i said before i would not be doing this in any other ward other than hot wells and harborside because this is the ward that i know yeah. the best this is this is my this is my home and so i do yeah. feel quite strongly that that councillors should should represent the ward that they live in let's jump a little bit into some of the potential challenges that you will have uh, being an editor of, of a news outlet in the city if you do win would you resign if you win or do you continue to stay on i wish i could afford to resign um i wrote an opinion piece last year i think it was like we said before i was pro the mayoral system but what I wasn't and what I still don't agree with is that our elected mayor can hold two, three, four extra jobs on top of his mayoral salary. And and in that in that piece, I felt as I'm proud to do, I, I, I'm not hiding anything. Um and so if I was criticizing Marvin Reese for having three, four extra jobs, I wrote at the bottom of the opinion piece that I received twenty six thousand pounds as yeah. my annual salary at Bristol 24-7. I cannot afford to, uh, I can barely afford to live on that. So are you, um, so are you a hypocrite then if you, if you win and you don't stand down? Well, no, because um, because the mayor the mayor earns a salary of something like eighty six thousand. So I, I think that that is a full time job. That's a full time salary um, mm-hmm. as a councillor. I believe, and, and I don't know the figures off the top of my head, but but councillors don't receive salaries; they receive a monthly allowance. It's an, it's an allowance, isn't it? Yeah, and, and there are a lot of councillors that have, do do have second jobs. But I guess the argument is they're not in a position. No, Magsy, I don't. I don't. I, yeah. I think that that's the wrong way to put it. I think that being a councillor isn't isn't a job councillors yeah. councillors have full-time jobs and they're also councillors um but, how, but on, know, a, on a practical level though that you just said yourself when there's a fire you've got to jump on your bike and go and report on it or when there's something happening if there's you know i know this from interviewing a number of cases there's a lot of meetings in the evening and committees and cabinet things and all this kind of stuff how are you going to be able to juggle you know as well as having a family that could be quite tricky to pull off yeah it's a daunting it's a daunting prospect like i said i'll take it one step at a time but i've already been a parent governor at a primary school I'm, I'm i'm on the board of trustees at circa media i go to i go to nuj meetings um yeah. my my um my bristol 24 7 um paid paid time should be 
nine to five thirty. Um, that's yeah. not the, that's not the hours that I work. I work I, I work around the clock. But something will have to give. I'm certainly not going to stop being editor of Bristol twenty four seven. Do you feel ready to face robust accountability, potential criticism to take on this role? Yeah, well, and I'm do using, you accept I, you might have it a bit more than others because of your position in 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 the yeah, media? Absolutely, and I'm using this as a practice magazine for the for the for the accusations for the for the slurs that probably are going to be although you know what i i bring it on i yeah. i want people to dig to to, to find some dirt on me because yeah. because I, I i'm a like i said on the doorsteps i'm a i'm a blank slate i haven't got a party rosette on i just want i just want to help it's a simple it's as simple as that yeah. it might be it, it, it might be a little bit 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 innocent of me to think that the reason the reason i want to stand is just to is just to help my local community but but yeah. genuinely that's what it is so you don't have a fear of that then that some journalists may think oh he's you know he's fair game to go for yeah, now no, i i i would i would be happy i would be happy f- to be fair game i probably am yeah. fair game i've I, i've yeah. long been i've long been fair game the fact is these days you know when i started work on a small weekly newspaper we used to put the paper to bed on a thursday so it comes out in print on a friday and you know what we didn't actually have any interaction with the readers at all other than the occasional letter or the occasional person who used to rock up at reception with a giant marrow that they'd uh, that they'd won in the in, in the village fair, but these days journalists are not anonymous. I, I go out of my way not to be anonymous. I go out of my way to be able to engage with readers, to talk to people. You know, I, I I'm not. Do you just enjoy in- the spotlight? It's not about enjoying the spotlight, and and I don't. I mean, do you? Do you? Are you? Because I know. I mean, they they all say that journalists should never be the story, yeah. And I yeah, just, exactly. I kind of see myself really. I am probably somebody who does a lot of presenting and stuff like that, that has a bit of profile in that regard. Yet there are other journalists that are quite anonymous that don't like that. I mean, maybe if I give an opinion, I think you probably are somebody who quite likes it a bit. I mean, I have. You know, you think about the time around the riots when you know there's a big picture of you with two sort of policemen either side of you. That became like a big kind of story. You do go on to other media outlets, uh, you know, like this and, and other sort of radio stations that have time to talk about things. I think you do quite like, from my perception, at some degree of profile more than some journalists would. Would that be fair? I think that I think that by virtue of me being a journalist in the city for more than a decade, um, mm. I, I think that I've I, I've put myself into a position where people they think of a journalist and I might be among the the first few names because I've I've done the rounds and and I've been out yeah. there. I think that it's not about enjoying the spotlight. It's about maximizing the opportunities. Um, so if if you know, I think in the period between Christmas and New Year, I was on Steve Yabsley's show on on Radio Bristol because he he asked me for a chat, and I of course I said of course I said yes. Um, yeah. His his interviewing technique isn't quite so interrogational as your interviewing technique, right. Magsy. He's, he's a sport. He's a comedian. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would certainly, yeah. I would, uh, I wouldn't probably say no to any interview request. You no. um, because so would you say if someone said you were a bit narcissistic? Well, what would what would you say? Oh, I, I I would say that's a, that's not a that's not an apt description. Um, I think that one of the things that the Bristol Cable is actually really good at is to describe the kind of media organization that they are 
And one of the things that Bristol 24-7 as a a membership organisation needs to be better at is is to tell the people of Bristol what we do um, to, 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 you know, peel off a layer. But if I'm talking, if I'm talking to you, um, I I need to say that you can become a member of Bristol 24-7 for just £5 a month to help support independent (laughs) journalism. Can I just, hang on, I need to jump in there. You just did a very politician's thing then. (laughs) I asked you a question about you and you steered it towards Bristol 24-7. So good, you're getting into, you're getting into political mode. Um, uh, well, I mean, some people probably would consider me that, and I think there is a sense about never becoming the story, and you're becoming Absolutely. the story. You're becoming well, the Ma- story now, Martin. You are the story. But Max, why you here? I well, you invited me here, so I did invite I, you here. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't make any overtures towards you. Um, I wouldn't ever badger you to invite me on the podcast. But like I said before, it's a it's an honour to be invited. On Bristol 24-7, I have to ask you this, because there could be a charge towards some degree of independence. You do have, uh, you know, for example, a merchant venture on the board. You have public supporters of George Ferguson on the board. You have major regional chain, uh, long-term shareholder, Ocean Estate agents. You've got people that are sort of connected to business interests in the city. If you're in a position as a politician and a story or a situation arises, will you be as robust in your responses to those people or those organisations? And can you actually be, given that you could be in a bit of a double bind over this? I think that if you were to ask me now who's on the board of Bristol 24-7, I would genuinely not be able to tell you many names because we don't have that relationship with oh, the board. Sharehold, shareholdings. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, even shareholders. I, I genuinely would not be able to would not be able to tell you. Um, I can tell you. Well, you know, tell me because I'd be interested to learn. The list, Anthony Bennett, Andrew Bamford, David Bell, Michael Bennett, Martin Booth, yourself, uh, Simon Seracuts, Phil Horton, Roger James, Mark Mason, Alan Morris, John Mower, uh, Marwood Sandeep, James Savage, Dougal Templeton, Robert Swindles, Ajif Wickramer, Lakota Limited and Ocean Estate Agents Limited. So if anything came up with those individuals, they're obviously the shareholders of your organisation, you would act as equally robust and you'd be able to do so, would you, and maintaining your position at 24-7? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, Eats Everything and Fatboy Slim were due to play an outdoor um, outdoor rave. Um, in fact, just just beyond the borders of Hotwells and Harbourside, up near the um, the BMX pump track, uh, Brunel Way, and the police moved them on, and they ended up playing in Lakota Car Park, where dozens of people I was I, I was there that night watching dozens of people trying to jump over the fence into Lakota. Um, yeah. And, and and Marty Burgess, who's one of the co-owners of Lakota, I do know that she is involved with Bristol 24-7. So in any story that I write... And is also, also a merchant venture. Yeah. In any yeah. story that we write about Marty, we put brackets, um, you know, Marty is on the board at Bristol 24-7 or... or yeah. um, because we need to be we we're not hiding the fact that she's involved with us and so it's interesting that you mentioned that she's a merchant venturer because again we can proudly proclaim at bristol 24 7 that we're independent but i've been accused myself of being being close to the merchant venturers by virtue of the fact that marty is 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 on our is on our board um which is which is which is another ludicrous accusation because because there's no one's no one's telling me, or I'm not telling anyone what to, what we can and can't write in the pages of Bristol twenty four seven. Yeah, um, 
I don't want to labour this too much, but you took money from big tobacco companies around a community reporter scheme. And the sort of charge by Bristol Cable at the time was that there was paid content in the build-up by associated things to big tobacco. And there's been other paid content by other sort of business and powerful interests in the city, which, which as, as staying as an editor, that's kind of fine. Is that, do you also see that as potentially making your role tricky? Back to that time, I was... I was I was really surprised that of all the targets within the city that the Bristol Cable wanted to wanted to investigate, they were investigating a, a fellow small media organisation that reached out to businesses across Bristol to say, "Look, guys, we are in a very difficult position. We could easily have gone under during the pandemic." And this tobacco company, Philip Morris, I think it was, um, they they said, "Look." We will uh, we'll pay you a certain amount of money, and this helped to fund our community reporter scheme, which is which is still going strong. We got Charlie Watts out in Noel West. In fact, he's written for the Bristol Cable as well. Um, yeah, he has. He's yeah. doing some fantastic stories about Noel West, and we've got we've got reporters embedded in other communities across the city. So so you know if there's if there's paid sponsored content. We label it as as paid sponsored content. Um, anything else, we're not going to be told what we can and can't publish. I remember interview. We used to be based at the Paintworks, and I remember someone from Philip Morris came along um, to talk about their what was it like heated tobacco or something like that, and 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 it was um it was a it was an interesting story because you know they're opening a shop at um opening a shop at Cupboard Circus so it was a it was a genuine news story um that that wasn't marked as sponsored because I could yeah. write I could write whatever I wanted in that um would there but, be a line for you with that would there what would you not take money from well I felt I felt quite I felt quite dirty that we had to we we were forced in a way to take money from big tobacco but did, I think yeah. that if we didn't take money from big tobacco there would not be a Bristol 24/7 right now um we we had to raise funds um and so one of the one of the key things about Bristol 24/7 is that I'm working on the editorial side of things we've also got a small sales team and we speak to each other but you know we're not we're not we're not working really closely with one another because the advertising and the editorial are, are, are very different. Um, but what, what if Philip what, Morris wanted to, you know, open up some kind of community centre in Hotwells or the I don't know arms trade? Would no, you okay. would, would you draw the line? At that? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to get to where the yeah, line no, is because I, mean, I, I get I'll, your I get your point. Well, the reason I say this, you know, Cable have been criticised for, for some of the money they've received is that is yeah. that um, there are difficult choices you have to make to make yeah. any kind of business sustainable. Is where is the line? But I think when you go into politics, that line has to probably be a bit higher. Yeah, you know. Yeah? Well, if any so personally if it, for you, where's the line, Martin? Well, you know, if. Um, if BAE Systems or Rolls Royce or Airbus are listening and wanna wanna give me wanna give me a bit of money for my campaign, then I can I can decide whether I'll accept that or not. Um, you know, yeah. I do genu- I do genuinely need to set up some kind of crowd crowdfunder, just like one pound, two pound here and there to help me 
with this. But back to your question, there was one there was one company that did advertise with Bristol twenty four seven, and they were what's called I think it's called like an essay farm or something like that. So you can you can pay for your university essays to be written, and we we wrote a sponsored you know put sponsored right at the top of this piece, and mm. for some reason they managed to get algorithms to just shoot it straight to the top of our um, most read stories and probably giving away trade secrets here but i don't know what they did but this sponsored this sponsored story that i knew nothing about was our most read story and it was a company that hoodwinked uh, universities by writing essays on behalf of students as soon as i heard about this I contacted our sales team to go, look, guys, this is not acceptable. We, we cannot have um, sponsored content like this. And so that was pulled quite okay. swiftly. Okay. So yeah. may, may, maybe, it's, um, maybe it's something like that. It's a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Western Harbour then. That is the big, big thing. Essentially, is Cumberland Basin, which sits within the Hot Wheels Ward. There's been lots of controversy around consultation and around the forming of a group that's there to represent what can be some a huge amount of investment, uh, potentially a development value of over one billion coming into that area. For you, seeing kind of how this stuff has sort of developed, are you positive about that? And would you welcome big developers, potentially international investors into that area? Or are you slightly mindful about trying to keep community owned local resources whilst making it sustainable? Is And how do we find the balance between both? Yeah, all good questions, Magsy. I mean, every single morning I cycle through the Cumberland Basin flyover. Underneath, you've got the Cumberland Piazza, which is a grand name for a big bit of concrete with um, columns with the road network above. And those columns are painted by some fantastic local artists and Hot Wheels primary school children have painted them. But you go down there and you can see photographs of what that area was like before, when that road system just completely annihilated street upon street and there were homes and there were shops and there were pubs and hot wells i think hot wells is probably second only to totter down of, of being completely decimated by a road system um mm. you know at least a road system in hot wells came whereas a third of Totterdown was demolished to make way for the outer circuit ring road that wasn't even built. But what I'm getting at is that there were originally homes where those crisscrossing roads now are. We appreciate the need for homes. Um, Absolutely, Bristol is crying out for more homes. But I think what the people of Hot Wells, I understand and I feel as a resident myself, do not appreciate is only learning very late in the day that a four-lane highway could well be built between the Nova Scotia and the pump house, that their homes could be destroyed, that the garden centre could be destroyed. All this, it just hasn't been done in the correct way. Local people have been kept in the dark about this. I think local councillors weren't even able to to, to to take the reports. They had to go into a room and read the report. Um, Can I just pull back for just for one second from that and just ask around the, the Western Harbour Advisory Group? Would it be your sense... Um, and it's chaired by um, John Savage, Managed Director of Business West, was heavily involved in the redevelopment of Cabot Circus. And there's a number of people on that board. And the charge has been that it's a slightly Bristol Mayor handpicked nepotist selection of people on there and doesn't have local representation enough. Would you agree with that? 
it, it, it doesn't have local representation enough. And I think that that's probably one of the main problems. Some people aren't, weren't particularly keen when kind of the Western Harbour Roadshow went around town. I think, um, I think it might have called into the Malcolm X Centre and places like that. And I think that it's not just an issue that is going to affect this small corner of Bristol. It is going to be a major issue for the city. But the people that it's going to affect the most are the residents of Hot Wells, and they just have not had their voices listened to. There were a number of events that went around the city, effectively doing consultation, talking to local people about the potential development. And and again, the, the accusation was that they were very much home venues for for the mayor, or or, or in areas, or with people and organisations that were hosting them that were sympathetic to the calls. And lots of local people, local residents in Hot Wells themselves, were kind of slightly ignored from this process. Um, I guess the counter to that, though, Martin, is that, as you just said, this is something that will affect the whole of the city. It's not a, like, minute little thing for that area. So perhaps, you know, the consultation group does need to talk to everybody across the city. It can't just be something for, for Hotwell's residents. Yeah, I agree with that. That's exactly what I just said. I think that the problem is that these residents feel that they have not been listened to in the slightest. Some of the first schemes that were that were put out there involved knocking homes down. Um, there was one scheme that had a bridge across the Avon Gorge in front of the suspension bridge. There was another scheme that that had a had a tunnel. But these schemes just appeared from appeared from nowhere. Um, and I'm all for consultation across the city, as long as the people who live in the area as well feel feel part of the process. Here's what Bristol Mayor Marvin Rees had to say about the Hot Wells development last year. There's an area um, called Hot Wells, uh, which is a very nice area, uh, very, you know, big houses. Many of those houses would have been owned by people who did well out of Bristol's mercantile past as well. They look over the harbour and just down from Clifton with views up the gorge and the suspension bridge. There's a flyover built there. It was built in the 1960s. It's horrific. And uh, we can knock that down, move the road or build a tunnel if possible and probably fit um, 2,000 home units down there. Um, Good quality, you know, lovely, but, you know, good share affordable, 30-40% affordable. As a result of sharing that, which I thought people would welcome because it gets rid of a horrific road, I went to a community event in the church and they had to lock the doors so many people were angry not to keep them out but they couldn't fit any more people in so there's me on the stage by myself with about 400 local residents really angry about this proposal uh, to build homes down there A lot of the wariness or the concerns are from people living in Hot Wells are a lot about how it could affect, you know, how the area sort of feels and looks. Uh, and obviously you've got some lovely views towards the suspension bridge. And some people, I think, in the Labour Party machine pushed back at that and said, well, you know, crikey, if that's all you're concerned about, ruining your view from your nice big posh house in, in Hot Wells, you're not really engaged with the reality of what's happening in Bristol. Yeah, I mean, for one, there's not many nice rich big posh houses in in hot wells but 
I mean, I think the heyday of Hot Wheels um, is probably best represented around Dowry Square, around that area, but that's just outside the ward, actually. So, so, so I would, I would push back that Hot Wheels and Harborside Ward would, specifically. Yeah. Um, there's lots of houses of multiple occupancy. There's lots of flats. There's, there's, yeah. there, there's not a lot of wealth in Hot Wheels. Um, I think you need to go up the hill a little bit for for that. Um, but so that's a myth that's being put out there. Then is it? That has been suggested the case is that people are just moaning about the lovely view from their house and it's not a direct quote but that's the charge that's been put out there i think one of the people i spoke to on the doorstep over the weekend was genuinely excited about the potentials for the western harbour development because right now like i said earlier there's um, a hustings thinking place on the 17th at hot Wells yeah. primary school and it's hot Wells primary school isn't even in the ward um it's it's happening at Hot Wheels Primary School, the Hustings, because there's not a community space within Hot Wheels and Harborside Ward. So one of the positives about the Western Harbour is that actually this quite dilapidated in parts area of the city could actually get the the civic, the community facilities that we so yeah. desperately need. And I remember, I'm sure you were probably here then as well, that, you know, when it was just a ghost town, it was nothing there at the other end of the of the harbour, which has been redeveloped. But it's sort of become taken over by bougie restaurants and cafes and stuff and doesn't necessarily have some of that local community sort of feel. Is there a danger that Western Harbour could go that way? And what would you do as a council to ensure that there are things like community centres, even community land ownership ideas that, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and local startups. Is that something that you're passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the mistakes that the City Council made when putting out some rough CGIs for Western Harbour was that they literally just got a bit of Whopping Wharf and plonked it next to the Cumberland Basin. And yeah. and, and I love, I can't pretend that I don't love Whopping Wharf and yeah. um, I enjoy meeting, meeting friends there and doing work there and going for a coffee there but it's it's just going to be all too easy to say that for developers perspective we want to create a whopping wharf part two but that's yeah. not what that's not what western harbour can be because it does need these community facilities yeah what do you it want it to be then? What, what does it what's the vision for you then more and how do you feel the local residents want it to be well for me if we're going to have this so-called western harbour we need to provide the homes that bristol so desperately needs so for me it's about providing it's about providing homes and it's about providing facilities and it's about providing somewhere that the community that there is a community and i think you're right about i'm 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 guessing that you're kind of alluding to jail ferry steps around whopping wharf which is just outside the hot wells and harbour sides Ward, you get that way, and but it virtually stops at Brunel's Buttery, which is a little bit more of a you know true true Bristol feel to mm. it. Um, but I think that I think that if the Western Harbour is going to go ahead, and once the end of the mayoral system comes in May 2024, it'd be interesting to see how yeah. how, how it does proceed because Bristol will undoubtedly still be within a, a housing crisis, yeah. and this is land that the council owns that can be built on. But and just those pushing... plans are are taking place between uh, were started in autumn 2022 and go to spring of 2024. So it's literally happening as we speak. Consultation is happening. We've had this sort of relentless march towards gentrification. You've got big international developments. You've also got 
sort of slightly bougie hipster places everywhere. Are you are you slightly concerned that that could happen again here if local people don't have a say? Because it's happened in most places in Bristol where there's been developments of anywhere near this this level, hasn't it? I think that, like I said, we need to have somewhere that people are are proud to live in. I think it's very difficult to create a community, but if the Western Harbour is built, it needs to it needs to have that community feel. To answer the questions about the bougie gentrification of Wapping Wharf, one of the great things actually about Wapping Wharf is that you look at those shipping containers, those are independent Bristol businesses that get pretty preferential rates in order to start up as a business. You've got little bakeries there, you've got you've got cheesemongers, um, you've got a fish shop. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I go there and I eat and stuff like that and it's kind of great. I just think, I guess the, the wider point I'm driving at is that it feels to me sometimes like there's two types of developments in Bristol. There's either the big chains like you see in Cabot Circus or it is that slightly bougie, you know, startup-y type stuff. And is there like a middle ground, I suppose, where local people feel, you said yourself, but there isn't a community centre, there isn't a doctor's surgery, there is, you know, as you say, a housing issue there. How can we drive down the middle lane a bit, I suppose? But I always feel as if Bristol's a battle of an old elite establishment and a new sort of liberal establishment, and the rest of us just don't really have a say in the middle a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hotwell's Hot, Hot is a fascinating kind of battleground in that respect, because, you know, I think Clifton can feel a little bit glitz glam it's it's the picture postcard view of bristol but hot wells is a is a little bit more real to me um you you walk along hotwell roads and that used to be a thriving high street um you've still got pubs like the like the nova scotia like the 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 merchant's arms like like the the bear um these are all dockers dockers sailors kind of places aren't they you know totally but once once upon a time, it wasn't just great pubs along there. Um, that the, there were actual community shops. But now, what we've got is we've got a petrol station, we've got a spa. Um, yeah, that's that's really it on Hotwell Road. Um, shout out to Indian Rasasi, which does some of the best curry in in town. But there's not a lot else. Um, and so, if people are trying to paint a picture of this gentrified area of Bristol, well, just walk along Hotwell Road yeah. and uh, and look at the state of it because it's mm. not in it's not in a good way. Um, you do feel that it's being uh, misrepresented a bit. The area, yeah. One walk along Hotwell Road will show you that it's not it's not quite like Princess Victoria Street. Sure. And it needs more housing, as you said, uh, and cheeky question, you know, I like to ask these. Uh, In terms of Western Harbour development housing, will um, Ocean Estate agents have a key stake in that? If they if they do they do if they don't they don't and 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 I will and be... will we support them if they do bearing in mind that they're a long term shareholder of Bristol twenty four seven. Well, it depends if they want to contribute to my independent councillor campaign, Magsy. I'm not supposed to laugh at that, but I'm giggling quietly. Um, okay, uh, and, and other key issues then, I think that how the Western Harbour will, you know, you have your local issues for local residents, but how it will play out across the city, I was quite cynical, if I'm honest, about the redevelopment of the harbour side, but it has no doubt lifted and brought in people from all over Bristol, you know, from you know now all over the country and, and internationally so. That's what I kind of feel that the current Bristol establishment would like to see it like Singapore, where people are coming from all over the world to sort of visit. The mayor visited China with a brochure listing Western Harbour as a business opportunity 
opportunity in 2017. So there's this sort of battleground where people want it to be this international space. Do you want it to be that too? I live above the Tesco near Millennium Square yeah. and, and and it's certainly not like Singapore around here. that would piss a... me right off. If I lived somewhere like that, that would piss me right off, if I'm honest, if it, was, it became like that right on my it, doorstep. Exactly. It's not, it's not something that probably would have been envisaged within the glossy brochures of days gone by because you've got Tesco, you've got Pizza Express, you've got Gareth Bale's new bar, you've got a massive brew dog, you've got Slug and Lettuce, you've got tiny pockets of independence, a little cocktail bar. But this is vertical drinking Friday, Saturday night. It's not family friendly. And some people within my local area, they're always very vociferous about any new bar planning to open up. This is an area that's now packed with these type of businesses. But what is often forgotten about is that there are residents living here and there are young families living here. So it's so it's not just the it's not just the stag do, hen do weekend activities. Yeah. This, this is people's this is people's um, home neighbourhood as well. What, Maxi, yeah. what are your what, what are your political ambitions? I mean, I'm prepared to accept. I'm fiercely ruthless below my beard and and ambitious, uh, and all my relationships are transactional. Uh, except, with my, except with my family that's not even true it's probably with them as well um, and yeah this is not the time for me to announce me standing but I, I'll just put a little bit of doubt in people's minds as to whether I may or may not because I think I'd quite enjoy the hustings actually you must be looking forward to that as well I've hosted a number of hustings in my time and I've, I've never sat on the other chair so yeah I am looking forward to that for sure there could be a sea of journalists now moving into politics if you're successful, couldn't there? I think that the political class needs to be reflective of, of wider society. So why shouldn't journalists put their money where their mouth is, stick their head above the parapet? Going to be interesting, isn't it? As you say, Martin Bell, uh, Boris Johnson, he's another person that was a journalist with a harmless demeanour, like me and you. <laughs> wow. um, well, look, yeah. at, um, yeah. look, look at President Zelensky in Ukraine. Look what he, yeah. L- yeah. look what his career was. Comedian, yeah, he was a comedian, yeah. I'm not comparing myself with a wartime leader, by the way, but it's just interesting to, I think that... Are there one... parallels with Putin? That was going to be my next question <laughs> with you. Are there some, you know... I think one of the things, um, one of the things about... The, At least he's honest class, with his megalomania. He's honest with his megalomania, isn't he? You I know? think he, well, and he also, you know, he was in, he, he was a spy before he became a politician as well, wasn't he? So he was. I think, I think sometimes the, um, the political class is a little bit insular. You know, you get yeah. these professional yeah. politicians who the only job they've done in their lives is to be a politician. Um, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. I think, you know, life experience is so important. And yeah. my, my experience is as a resident in hot yeah. And Harborside, and that's why I'm standing. There is a danger w- without having that experience or being in the public eye, though, or being on the receiving end of criticism and Twitter trolls and all that kind of stuff, that people aren't sometimes prepared for that. And the argument is if somebody's been in the game in politics for some time, then it, it drops off them a little bit more, I guess. I think people aren't always prepared for the criticism. But arguably, I would say as a journalist, you probably, maybe not as much, but you've been sort of going full circle now. Journalism, you could say, is quite a good breeding ground to go into politics. We see a revolving door of people that go into political PR, particularly at a national level, but less so in terms of politics. But you could say it's a good grounding. I think the people behind the scenes are often, the people who are pulling the strings are often, 
um, drawn from the media class, less so the people whose names on the ballot paper. It's a, mm. it's a, it's a fascinating time. It's a fascinating time. And, and like I said, Magsy, thank you for having me on. It's been really no, great to actually think about thanks. some of these issues. Yeah, and and you know, I, it couldn't be a loving me just being nice to you throughout. So hopefully, you still talk to me after this. No, but you're never nice uh, to me. So this is what I, this is what I expect. <laughs> <laughs> but I wish you well, Jess. I wish you well, Martin. And um, yeah, good luck, sir. Cheers, Magsy. Many thanks to Martin Booth, the editor of Bristol 24-7 and new independent candidate to be councillor for Hotwells for joining us on this week's episode of Bristol Unpacked. And yes, we'll be back next week with a brand new guest and a fantastic topic. I'm Neil Mags. Big thanks to our executive producer, Adam Cantwell-Corn and to our production team from the Bristol Cable in collaboration with Ession Noise. Also, Blue Dot for our music. <laughs>